I don't think that it was ever a real choice of choosing to let myself go. It was just choosing to focus on things that were more important to me and not realizing what it was going to cost me in that process. And I think most people have that kind of experience when they get out of high school or where they have kids or where they start a business. They, they have some focus and then they oftentimes lose their focus and they put uh, they sacrifice their health to gain their wealth and then they end up spending their wealth to gain their health back. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest, David Bush, is a long-term or long-time colleague. Uh, David has worked in the corporate world. He also was a professional football player, but more recently, he has moved into health and wellness with his company, uh, eHealthCoaching.com. Now, David got into a situation where he had become quite overweight. We'll talk about that and quite ill and not very well and just really transformed his life and just saw the importance of it. And so when we think about, you know, our future for all of us, we want to be healthy. We want to be energized as much as possible. And David takes you through a step-by-step process that is e-health coaching. He has hundreds of coaches that they've now certified where they work with individuals all around the world. And so the very interesting uh, process. Now, this show being sponsored by CRG, one of the things that we want you to maybe consider is that we have our brand new stress indicator and health planner, which has been revised. It's been in existence for over 30 years, but we now have version five that's out. It is our longest tool with 120 questions, but we help categorize your stress and wellness levels in five different areas. And that can be transforming. I actually just did a conference presentation in Texas for the National Workforce Development Professionals. And we had over 100 people in a room and they just mentioned just how transformational the assessment, the tool and the framework was uh, for them. So my encouragement is if you're thinking about taking your health and wellness to the next level or trying to help others do the same thing, then the Stress Indicator and Health Planner can be something that you consider. So here we are with our uh, next guest, our guest today, which is David Bush. And just prior before getting into that show, just a reminder, if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, let other people know, share it, uh, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you are listening on. Here's today's show with David Bush. How many people do you think are really healthy in our country or countries or around the world these days? And we know that the stats are unfortunately pathetic. But we're going to take care of that today with our health and and wellness expert, David Bush. So David, welcome to the show. Hey, Dr. Ken. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, David, we've known each other for a long time. I mean, we have some history with some of your um, different businesses that you were a part of. And it was just so cool to reconnect on LinkedIn and say, hey, this is a guy that I need to have on the show because one of the value sets that CRG has is around health and wellness. We're going to start with your story. So everybody that's listening, you're going to have to wait to the other part where Dave's going to share his insights about breakthrough wellness and health strategies. But it's just a pleasure to have an old friend and voice back on the show. 
Yeah, I've always been a fan of your work, Ken, and it's just been a pleasure to see how your business has just taken off and all the great value you're bringing to the marketplace and just excited to get a chance to share with your audience some helpful tips and strategies on how to live their best life and, uh, and achieve optimal health and well-being if they're interested. Mm. And of course, I think that's a very good point. If they're interested, is people have a choice. We always have a choice. You're not stuck in your condition. And before we get into all these things that you've moved into, I just want to kind of back up, David. We always like to get to know our guests as far as their story, their journey. And so, David, what was sort of like growing up? Where did you grow up? What was sort of your family, your background? Your, what did your parents do? Those kinds of things. You bet. Well, I grew up in sunny Southern California and uh, grew up to a um, middle-class family. My dad was a uh, auto body business guy. He owned his own auto body business and I worked in that auto body business. Uh, I, I guess I was a teller. I told people to move while I swept. I didn't do anything uh, specific with the trades. My dad uh, had a little bit of interest in teaching me some of those things, but I didn't have a lot of interest in the trades work, Ken. I, I really had a passion for uh, doing something that had to do with my intellect and my ability to communicate because I was uh, one of those kind of kids I was I was I was talking right from the very get-go and so I thought that talking was going to be my ticket and uh, I also played football I was a big kid growing up my grandfather played at the University of Southern California and so you know when growing up I had always uh, wanted to be like my grandfather I was the one out of 11 grandchildren that looked exactly like him. And so I, I kind of grew up with him as the patriarch and me wanting to grow into that. And so I actually pursued um, playing football all through my uh, younger years and into my high school years. And then I went on to pursue my my uh, pursuits in football going on to junior college. I wasn't a really great student and uh, it, I didn't go to a school to, to play school. I went to school to play football and I, uh, it showed up in my grade. So I didn't get a lot of scholarship offers and didn't get a lot of opportunities because I went to such a small school, but I got a chance to play um, college football at the University of South Dakota. I went across halfway across the United States and got a football scholarship to play there and became an All-American offensive center and long snapper. And then I decided to uh, pursue my my passions to play professional football. And even though I didn't get drafted and I didn't have a, a lot of opportunities with agents and things of that nature, I got my first sales job, Ken. I started selling myself. I went out there and of made course. a list of all the people that I could talk to in the player personnel department and the uh, NFL, the Canadian Football League, the World Football League, and then this thing called Arena Football and uh, ended up playing uh, professionally with the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena Football League. Some people know the name because a guy by the name of Kurt Warner was the quarterback. He was a uh, NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion in 1999, and he was well, our quarterback. Well, of course, his story of being working in a grocery store and stacking shells to the uh, championship is yeah. one that many of us know. So that's pretty cool. So now, Kurt, you know Kurt then, David. Yeah, I really can. It, had it not been for me, that kid would have been nothing because I was the offensive center that hiked him the ball while he was with the Iowa Barnstormer. So it all started with me is what I try to remind him about it, but uh, he doesn't well, pay I, too much I, attention to that. Well, I notice that whenever he does interviews, David, he always mentions your name. 
Well, it's part of the litigation process, Ken. I really, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're good friends. Actually, I just got a chance to have him back. He came back and did a little seminar for a group that I'm a part of out here in the Midwest. And I got a chance to see him and did our little 20-year reunion. And it was so cool to see all the things that he's done in his life. And our our careers took different paths, you know. He ended up uh, moving on to the NFL in 1998 after four years of playing professional football. I suffered a career-ending lack of talent and uh, had to move on with my life and that uh, that led me into the mortgage business which uh, I spent 10 years in the mortgage business and had a tremendous time owning 17 offices in three different states and then that's where I met you back in 2004 when I started my next venture which was a online life planning and goal setting websites where we referred people to CRG and had uh, assessments uh, as part of our process and that was a great business model it was my beginning stages of becoming a peak performance coach and wanting to help people to live an extraordinary life and helping them to design that life and that led me to where I am today and I'll I'll get into that if you have a desire but that's the that's oh, the big oh. history in my life for sure now uh, wasn't the company called retirement options at that time elifeplans.com was the E-Life name Plans. of the, the company yeah. yeah and it was uh, all about setting up an extraordinary life plan using an online life planning system and when you think about it now you've you've moved now you mentioned you know, in your bio and being an athlete, then you started to speak and train more. You actually kind of let yourself fall apart there physically yourself. So what happened there? Where did you woke up one day and just said, hey, like I'm like 100 pounds overweight. What What's the story there? Yeah, well, I think that it's very common in, in professional athletes um, that oftentimes when they get out of the game of whatever they're striving to achieve in, uh, then unless they find a new game to play, they oftentimes lose the motivation because a lot of my motivation to do everything that I was doing, Ken, was driven off of competition, um, recognition, uh, fear. You know, I, I was fearful I would lose my job if I didn't perform. I was fearful of being intimidated or beat by a person across from me and not performing, letting my teammates down. I had accountability. I had structure. I had a coach, I had a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I had a lot of things that were prepared for me and I had a purpose for doing them that was strong. But after you get done playing football and now you're married and you got three kids and your focus is on conquering the world in a different business. And most of that business is relating to eating for entertainment and, you know, using food as a form of um, entertainment or maybe even a form of medication because you're Mm -hmm. just stressed out or you're lacking sleep. And so you're trying to use food or drinks to compensate for your unhealthy habits. And so I don't think that it was ever a real choice of choosing to let myself go. It was just choosing to focus on things that were more important to me and not realizing what it was going to cost me in that process. And I think most people have that kind of experience when they get out of high school or where they have kids or where they start a business. They they have some focus and then they oftentimes lose their focus and they put uh, they sacrifice their health to gain their wealth, and then they end up spending their wealth to gain their health back. So not very uncommon in today's world, but that was my story. And uh, in 2007, I was 100 pounds overweight, which wasn't totally atypical for me because I graduated high school 327 pounds. So I was always a big kid, 
But at 35 years of age and not exercising and huffing and puffing when you're walking to the top of a stairwell of 10 steps and feeling the pain of a back injury, it really woke me up, Ken. It was something Mm. that uh, was the wake-up call that I needed. And uh, it took me about nine months to recover from a back injury, multiple medications, surgery twice in one year. And I just got to the point where I'd been through the spanking machine and I realized the cost of not having health. And there's a great quote. I don't know who the author is, but the quote is, to the one who has health, they have many wishes. But to the one who doesn't, they have but one. Mm -hmm. And in 2007, I had one wish and one goal, and that was to be healthier so that I could raise my kids, that I could do the things that dads do and that husbands do and that I wanted to do that I was not doing at the age of 35. And that's when it all began to change for me. Now, David, we, and thank you, David, for that. And and I appreciate you being vulnerable because when we think about the people that are listening, that happened to me too, where, I mean, I was 155, 160 pounds, maybe 164 when I was in my 20s. And then, like you, got a training job, was on the road 1,500 days in seven years. And then ballooned to like 215 or in, and I said, what, what the heck is that? So uh, not dissimilar to you where I was just living in airplanes or training. And then of course, every meal is out, right? Right. And you just let it go. So, you know, both of us have had to go through that journey. I didn't lose a hundred, but I lost 40. So that was, you know, part of, of taking, so it is possible for those of you that are listening to kind of reshape and shift. But if I recall in our conversation we just had a month or two ago, David, you made a significant lifestyle change to, to really frame this out and moved and did a, a whole bunch of things. So take us through this transition where all of a sudden like you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then what happened next for you to kind of go through and, and transform yourself? Yeah, well, one of the things was is that I I recognized that I needed help, and uh, it wasn't uh, going to be through my own willpower that I was going to fight through this idea of learning how to live a healthy lifestyle, because I had tried that many other times and failed. I needed a stronger support system, so I found a health coach, and uh, the health coach helped me to evaluate where I was at, which wasn't pretty. I didn't like going through that process of coming to the reality of where I was, which nobody really likes that. Nobody likes to step on the proverbial scale. But what this you know, coach did for me was really awaken me to where I was, which was not a good spot. But then he also gave me some hope and he crafted, helped me to craft a vision of what was possible and why I would want to do what was necessary to achieve it, which is extremely, extremely powerful. And Ken, I knew this stuff. I was teaching other people how to do it, but I wasn't doing it myself. I was so Mm. focused on helping everybody else that I wasn't helping myself. Mm. And I think a lot of people can do that. I know that a lot of parents oftentimes sacrifice their own health in hopes to give their kids a better life. Um, But that's that's not really the thing that serves their children. You know, helping themselves to become the best version of themselves is the best thing that they can do for their children. And I just had my priorities out of whack. And this coach just got me refocused and started giving me a simple game plan that I could execute with some accountability and with some you know, extra responsibility because I had to give an update each week on how I had progressed. And that was the thing that you know, started the shift for me. 
And mm -hmm. once I started climbing my way out of the pit that I had basically allowed myself to slide into, I call it the ordinary health river. You know, most Americans and Canadians have fallen into the ordinary health river and they're just rafting down the river of life and they're going with the flow. And pretty soon they're going to go over the waterfall of bad health. And that's going to be the medications, the surgeries, the injuries, or even something that could be even a lot worse. And I didn't tell you this in my story, but my grandfather, he died. He died in the L.A. Coliseum when he was 47 years of age. He went to the University of Southern California that played in the Coliseum, and he also died there. He was a teacher, and he worked as a security guard, and he was at an L.A. Rams football game, and he died of a massive heart attack at the age of 47. And so, you know, some people have severe consequences for not waking up and getting out of the river of bad health and not just getting to the basin or getting to the, the valley of complacency, because that's not where most people want to live, but it's really learning to climb the mountain of extraordinary health. And that's really what, you know, this coach brought me to. And, and, and I took some of the things that I knew and I just started applying them to my life with some guidance and some support and some accountability and a simple plan and just started taking the steps up the mountain of extraordinary health. And as I rose in altitude and I rose in my ability of uh, health, I mean, the weight was just part of the win. I mean, I was, I was gaining altitude in life. I was gaining energy. I was gaining perspective. I was gaining motivation and clarity. And there were so many things that came from rising in my health and my ability to conquer new things and, and take on new tasks that were once seemingly impossible because I was finding victory in something that was a major, major negative in my life. Mm. And as I began to climb that mountain, I began to see all the things that I hadn't necessarily seen that I was missing out on. And, uh, and that got me awakened to this idea of waking up the other people out there that are sleepwalking through life or sleep rafting down the river of ordinary health soon to find themselves in a similar position as me. Mm. Well, David, I just want to spend a minute before we get into your, you know, your new company and your venture and what you're doing there and what you're teaching. Let's just go through some of the stats. And as you know, we, we do some expertise or some workshops around this as well. What do you think is the, now maybe I have two questions here. First of all, I mean, you made a decision to get a health coach and you knew that what they were going to say wasn't going to be pretty. But what, in spite of the surgery, there are many people that go through these things, they have these traumatic events, but they don't make a decision. They don't choose to get a health coach. They don't cross over the line to take control or responsibility for their health. What do you think really drove you across the line? What were the components, elements, thinking that really where you finally took ownership? In spite of your condition, everybody, there's lots of people listening to this show that they know their condition sucks. Pardon the language, yeah. but they do nothing about right. it. So what caused you to do something about it? Well, I think that's a great question, Ken, and I think that there's multiple factors that happened here. Um, one, there was a, a driving inner desire, or I would call it a calling in my life, that I wanted to live an extraordinary life. Deep down, even though I wasn't practicing the habits of a person who's living an extraordinary life with extraordinary health. Deep down, I wanted to be that person. Not everybody wants to be that person. And I think that that has to do a lot with their own upbringing and their own personal philosophy. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that shapes a person's desires. And, you know, that was one of my desires is I wanted to be that person. I just couldn't figure it out on my own. As, as mm. easy as it sounds to eat right and exercise from a kid who's brought up in, an, in a family that has nearly every one of the family members are overweight and obese. And the culture was call it where everywhere we went it was all about food and not much exercise if we got a parking spot close to the front door it was a win in realities we were really losing with not taking extra steps in our day to burn off the extra calories and so number one was me just wanting to have a better life and and knowing that there was an opportunity for me to improve my life number two had to be uh, just the idea that a friend of mine reached out to me and offered me help and offered me hope and shared with me his own personal mm. story. And I do think that we're created for relationships. And I think that when people, people do what people do, and you're probably a far better expert at this stuff than I am, because you've studied people a lot more with all of the things that you've done. But what I've learned in this process is that people's stories and people's hope is transferable. You know, I think that, you know, what, what I do on a daily basis is I give hope transplants. You know, I mean, I take a person that doesn't have much hope, but who wants better health and wants a better life. And I transfer hope by sharing stories of success mm. and, and people that are doing what it is that they want to do. And I think that a lot of us have given up hope because so many people have tried to do this with diets and detoxes and exercise, and they haven't done it with thoughts and feelings and dreams and goals. And so oftentimes people have just given up hope. So one of it, one, one part of this has to do with people believing in other people and helping them to get out of the river. And that, that includes all of us. I think all of us can help somebody in, in, in sharing our story with people as part of helping people. Well, I so, think, uh, sorry, uh, uh, not to stop you there, David, but I think there are two teach points for the listeners here. And there's two sides to your coin, which we actually teach too, but it's brilliant that you brought it into the show. And that is, you know, first of all, is that people need we need each other. There was a study done by Harvard that longevity is linked to loving relationships. It was the longest study on health and wellness in history. It's 50 years. So that was one of the five components that contributed to longevity was loving relationships. Now you were talking about that. So that's anchored. But number two and three is two sides of the same coin. Number one is to lend your courage and encouragement to others and if you want to do something like you did, is that sometimes we need to borrow it from somebody else, not from a neediness point of view, but just simply that is our condition. And I need to borrow courage, encouragement, or as you said, hope from somebody else to be able to go to this next level. And that's quite okay. And I know in some cultures, and certainly one that I grew up, asking for help is a sign of weakness. Well, in reality, asking for help is a sign of strength. So my encouragement to all listeners, if you know, as we get into some more practical applications, David has shared something that's very, very important, is either borrow from somebody's courage and ask for it, or give it away and help somebody else and help them up. Yeah, and I do think that the last part is, is that just, um, I think that it was Mark Twain that once said, it, it, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for certain that just isn't so. Mm. That gets us into trouble. And I think that a lot of people think that they know what they need to do. But the reality is, is that most people have no clue what mm. to do. Because well, everything we, that they've done has, 
has oftentimes failed them. So, you know, uh, the person that says, well, I just need to go back and do this diet because it works every time I've done it. Well, if it was working, you wouldn't have to keep doing it. So part of this idea is to really, um, you know, I, I use the acronym SAC. And if you draw it as a, a kind of a, a vertical, the word SAC, you can start with the fact of knowledge. And, you know, knowledge is power and knowledge will help us to overcome some of the limiting concepts that we have. But we have to be true about what is true. And what a lot of people believe, Ken, is, is that they can't do it or it's too hard to do it or it's not fun mm-hmm. to do it. But mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the lie that resides inside of the word belief that they have come to believe in that's not true. And so if we start to focus in on truth and say, what is true about health? What is true about vitality and energy and all the things that come with it? And we were to share with them some simple principles we could help them to learn knowledge that would help to break through some of the concepts, which the C is just above the K. And so the concepts Mm -hmm. is what holds people back. And oftentimes knowledge is what sets them free of truth and principles that are true. And then showing them simple actions that we can take to start climbing this mountain of extraordinary health and showing them simple things they can do, you know, small little steps that they can do versus focusing in on what they can't do. And then showing them skills because, you know, in today's obesogenic society, there's, you know, multiple, multiple opportunities each and every hour to be unhealthy. I mean, most people, you know, it's a, the fast food industry is now close to $150 billion a year annually. And all of those companies have plans and really good marketing plans. I mean, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, all the famous brands, they have, you know, they have laboratories where they study people like rats and they know exactly what you're going to buy before you even know what you're going to buy. And so, so much of that stuff is happening in the world and we don't even know that it's happening. And we still try to think, you know, follow the plate system, which most people have no idea what the plate system is or the food, food pyramid And most people think it's about food. And really, it has nothing to do with the food that we're consuming. It has to do with the thoughts that we're consuming. And if we can start to change that up, I really believe we can change the trends of health in the world and really change the trajectory. Mm. Oh, absolutely, David. And thank you for that. And, you know, those are good acronyms to think about it and knowledge and truth. There's lots of information, but not necessarily lots of correct information. Let's just talk about some stats that are out there. We talked about before you on the show, and we have several here too, uh, you know, right now in North America, and by the way, the Western diet has now been exported to just about every country in the world, which is ruining their health as well. Uh, But now I think in North America, and I think it's a trifecta with Mexico as well, is we were talking off air is that we're over 70% are overweight or obese, correct? That's right. Yep. And then the balance, and this was in Robert's University of California, uh, skinny on obesity video, is that many of you that are listening to this show who are actually, uh, quote unquote, thin or, you know, the skinny, whatever the word is, is you're not healthy internally. So metabolically, there's individuals who have metabolic disorder who actually aren't overweight. So this idea that only those people that are overweight are unhealthy is erroneous in itself too, correct? 
Right. I mean, 60% of Americans don't exercise for more than 10 minutes a day. And most people that are, are doing rigorous exercise are oftentimes, you know, out eating their own exercise. And that's bringing them other layers of health risks. So I've got, I've got people that I've worked with that are, you know, very, very healthy from a, a physical standpoint, but they're not healthy mentally. They're, you know, mm. lacking sleep. They're stressed out. They're making sacrifices with their nutrition choices. And even though they don't have uh, a metabolic problem, they have a thinking problem or their pickers broken and they keep picking to hang out with the wrong people or they keep picking the wrong priorities. Mm. And that's leading them to some very unhealthy lifestyle habits. And those people will soon, soon start to see some of the weight issues or other health risks like high high cholesterol, blood pressure, and all the other stuff that comes their way over time. Because every year from the age of 20 on, you replace a pound of muscle with a pound of fat unless you're doing some form of resistance exercise. And every pound of muscle you lose, you lose caloric expenditure or you lose the number of calories that you're burning. So every year you get older, you're burning less calories. And that's why so many people over the age of 35 to 40 wonder, what happened? How, my, my metabolism just stopped. Mm. Well, that's partially it, is that you just chose not to do some of the things that you could do. It didn't have to be physical fitness or some rigorous exercise program, but you didn't even park farther away from the grocery store when you could have. You pushed a basket when you could have carried a basket. There's so many little things that mm. a person can do, but if they don't choose to do them, it's that valley of complacency that leads to the river of ordinary health. Now, I'll tell this story. I've told it many times, David, and then we're going to link into the specific strategies that you and your company that you're with in, in sharing and helping you know, the world with their wellness. But in 1987, I was misdiagnosed as manic depressive, put on antidepressant pills. And then we found out later on, through my own insistence, not through my medical doctor, uh, because he thought he had figured it out, is that I was hypoglycemic. So it was really a sugar thing, and I didn't need lithium in my uh, system. So my encouragement is is that you know the medical system, and I have several medical doctors who are friends. Is he he one of my friends doesn't call it a healthcare system; he calls it a sick care system. So they only really look at you when you're sick. So what we're talking about is how can we be preventative? How can we be intentional? How could we be in front of it? and do a better job of taking care of ourselves. And the reality is, is the majority of individuals in some level or other are suffering. And the World Health Organization said 90 to 95% of all illness is lifestyle related. So when you think about thinking, we have a friend now, he brags about living off of four hours sleep for the last 20 years. Uh, that, that can't be good for your brain. Dementia, you know, Alzheimer's, all the things that are occurring. Uh, these things creep up on you because of some of these lifestyle things over decades, correct? Right. Yeah. So much of that is uh, some of the stuff that we need to get the word out because most people are still bragging about how much work they're getting done and how uh, no exercise and, and no sleep is a badge of honor. Well, well, one of the things, David, you did is, if I recall in our conversation, you you moved out of California elsewhere for lifestyle purposes. So explain that. Yeah. So part of it had to do with uh, just getting back to more of a, a family connection. And 
bringing our family into a smaller town environment, which we thought would be a healthy environment. And that's not healthy for everyone, but that was something that we thought was appropriate for our family. And so we pursued that. And so we went to an environment that we felt that could be conducive to, uh, you know, healthy relationships and still be able to accomplish the things that we wanted to in the workplace. And, you know, following my heart and and working in the area of my passion and purpose. I mean, you know this better than anyone is that when you're working according to your passion and purpose, that has an effect. Actually, Tom Rath uh, did a great study with the Gallup organization and wrote a book called Wellbeing that talks about the five different influencers or the five different wellness areas. And when they did this research, and I think that they had millions of people from all around the world that were surveyed, what they found was is the number one thing, Ken, the number one thing that affected an individual's well-being was not their physical health. It wasn't their uh, financial health. It wasn't their community health, the relationships that they had. It wasn't this idea of, you know, um, exercise and idea of sleep. It was what they did for a living. And most people don't want to accept that. Most people just think that they need to change their diet and change their exercise. But if you're working in a career that's causing you to be unhealthy, the number one thing that you could be doing to improve your well-being is getting on purpose with a career that actually allows you to fulfill your purpose and to leverage your strengths, which is a crazy thought for a lot of people to think about career transition or relocating to be in a healthier spot. But that's one of the things that is a major impact to a person's ability to create well-being in their life. And I know that it had a big impact on my overall decision and doesn't mean that everybody has to move to get healthy. It just means that some people that are in a toxic environment in a workplace or you're, you're creating a business and you're working half days, pick any 12 hours you choose and you're blowing and going and bootlegging it, bootstrapping it. You're trying to get things going and it's causing you to make choices that are unhealthy in your habits. It could be the biggest obstacle to your achieving a healthy weight and, and a healthy lifestyle. Uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, we were just speaking at a conference, David, just to support you there. I mean, the last stats, and even Gallup did this survey, too, is what percentage of the world is disengaged at work from mild to extreme, and it's 87%. So only 13% of the global workforce actually likes what they do. Well, it's nearly impossible to be in the zone, to be healthy, to be well, if you are constantly stressed at work. So I couldn't agree with you more about that situation. And that's why, you know, our purpose work and the work that you're doing is so important. It, it, even if I'm eating healthy, but I'm, like you said, never underestimate a toxic workplace and what it does to your system. So that, that is an amazing insight. So thanks, David, for that. Well, in terms of the, the stepping stones and, and how we go from, you know, where we are to wherever we want to go, would it be good, Ken, to explore and talk through some of those steps as we wrap Let's up? Let's do it right now. First of all, so we don't miss it. What's the name of your company that you're a part of now that you are teaching other people for health and wellness? Yeah, it's called Extraordinary Health Coaching, and you can find it at ehealthcoaching.com. Okay, then we'll mention that again at the end of the show. So let's go through some of the steps. Let's just jump right into it. 
Yeah, so and we can summarize this with five major areas of improvement. And uh, in chronological order, I believe that these five things, if you do these five things, you can achieve greater success than if you just randomly go out there and start cutting out your carbs and go into the gym. So the first step that we usually walk through with a person is to really evaluate where are they in all aspects of well-being. We have a well-being evaluation that we use. It's just a simple way for them to self-report where they are and where they want to go. Obviously, they can get a more detailed uh, well-being evaluation using the CRG tools, uh, but we just have people you know, basically say, hey, this is where I'm at right now in the major categories, physical, mental, and financial, and this is where I could use some improvement. And then we ask them to evaluate what their desired outcome is. Rather than focusing in on getting rid of problems, we focus them in on outcomes. What is it that you'd really like to be, do, and have? And when you focus a person on their desired outcome, it's not going to go away when the problem goes away. Because oftentimes when people say, I want to lose weight, I want to get fit, I want to start you know, exercising more, I want to eat less of that, as soon as they start doing it, the problem goes away where it starts to go away and their motivation oftentimes is problem resolution mindset focused. They're trying to get rid of something that's very painful or that's a problem in their life. So we try to get them to start thinking different. Mm. And once we've got them to evaluate where they are and where they want to go and what they want to be, do, and have, we come up with reasons of why to go do what's necessary. And so then we start to talk about some of the mental habits to start thinking different. And that oftentimes starts out with packing a positive perspective, you know, making sure that you go into this idea with getting healthier is not like kicking your can down the street. Oh, I got to go on a diet. I can't eat that. I can't do this. But to think about what you can do versus what you can't do. And then to have a good long list of reasons of why you want to do it. And to make sure that that's the first meal that you have every day. Because if you're not consuming the reasons of why you want to do this, Ken, the how is going to become insurmountable. Because getting Mm -hmm. healthy in the world today is not easy. It's simple, but it can become very complex when you bring in relationships and entertainment and social life and family and all the different, you know, history that goes on with unhealthy lifestyles. So we make sure that the person is plugging in and consuming their reasons of why, and we're helping them to identify reasons in a very visual space so that they have visual cues that activate this idea of thinking about their healthy lifestyle as a purpose that they have a strong passion about, not just focusing in on the food. Once we've got a chance to evaluate what they want and where they want to go, and we've got a chance to encourage them from a mental perspective, then we start mm-hmm. talking about their eating plan. And everybody's eating plan is a little different depending on their you know, personal dietary interest and their uh, weight loss and activity level. But we come up with a plan that helps them to succeed at doing what they want to do when they want to do it with healthy science, not with you know, complete macronutrient manipulation, you know, zero fat, zero carb, and all that craziness that's out there in the marketplace. We give them a healthy, you know, scientifically proven nutrition plan that brings in all the macronutrients and gives them just the number of calories and nutrients that their body needs to do what it is that they want to do 
whether it's to lose weight, gain strength, gain muscle, we'll walk them through that process on a personal level. And then we help them to prepare themselves so that they're ready to you know, make the healthy choices. We talk to them about portion sizing and we teach them a fueling system to, to help them to eat every two to three hours. So those are the first steps that we move a person from wherever they are to wherever they want to go. And, you know, they say that nutrition from the mind and for the body is 85% of a person's health journey. Mm. When you're eating the right thoughts and you're eating the right nutrition, you don't have to run marathons. You know, to burn off one pound of fat, the average person would have to run a full marathon to lose one pound of fat. 3,500 calories is one pound of fat. And to burn that off, you would have to run about 26.2 miles to burn it off. And to think about losing 30 pounds, that's a lot of exercise. So getting the nutrition right for the head and for the stomach and the heart, that's what we want to focus on. And then we start focusing in on what is it that you can do, incorporating basic activities into life and not being focused in on, you know, working in a cardiovascular environment where you have to go to a gym and get sweaty and shower, but doing what you can do. Standing up versus sitting down, taking walks, parking farther away from the office, doing things that give you the small little burst of time to get stuff done. And I found in my own personal this personal journey is, is that the 16 hours that I was awake being active was mm-hmm. more valuable than the one hour that I wasn't going to the gym. So just knowing what I could do to be more active was just the beginning part to start moving me towards a healthier lifestyle and then implement implementing the more uh, rigorous or the more strenuous cardiovascular or resistance exercise based upon an individual's need. And then the final category is where we energize the body. And that's where we're really focusing in on improving the quality of their sleep. Most people aren't sleeping well, which is causing them to eat unhealthy or to make them make unhealthy decisions around activity. So we make sure that they're making progress in their sleep and their energy management habits. We know that. So I want to stop there for a second. David. When we think about sleep, what are you recommending? And how do, if I'm struggling with, you know, sleep um, deficiency or unable to sleep properly, what are some of your recommendations? Well, the first thing that we're going to look at is obviously caffeinated drinks that the person's drinking because most people are drinking coffee or sodas and things that have or energy drinks that have caffeine in them and they have a 12-hour shelf life. And so if you're drinking caffeinated beverages after the hours of, you know, 12 to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, that could be something that has an afterglow effect that's causing you to, you know, be able mm-hmm. to get good quality sleep. Setting a bedtime is another one. Making sure that you're shutting down your mind and doing things that are more conducive to healthy sleep. So turning off the blue lights of technology and starting to prepare yourself for more of a restful sleep. Having your room at the right temperature and having your room organized so that it's not cluttered. Having a list of to-dos that's written out for the day so that you're not broken up into sleep. And sometimes, you know, it requires sleep tests for some people that are having more difficulties. I mean, we're obviously not going to give them medical advice, but simple healthy habits and tips can can really do a lot of benefit for an individual. Identifying, you know, their chronotype, whether they're a lark or an owl, what time would be a good time for them to get to bed. Some of those basic steps can really can work some magic on some energy levels. Mm. And it's interesting because if you think about couples, you know, sometimes 
their rhythms are opposite or different. And so you have to make some adjustments on how that can be managed within the family unit. Right. Yeah, you definitely have to make some compromises. And, and those are things that we talk about in our energizing a person's ability to get healthy is to have conversations and be intentional about speaking your desires to your spouse and to your kids and to your parents. And sometimes that comes with conflict because sometimes the, the spouse isn't ready to get healthy. They don't want to shut it down. They don't want to start eating healthier. They want to eat out at the fast food place. And so just understanding that compromise is part of being in a family unit and to into a marriage or a relationship. And so you have to learn how to make compromises, but you also have to learn how to hold true to your values to move forward with health. And, and beyond that, just the final step is where we're really helping them to progress in decreasing stress. And there's so much stress in today's world that we're not there to solve this stress, but we're there to teach fundamental principles that are proven to deal with stress in a healthy way. So mm. learning to handle challenging situations so that you don't get to the point where you eat something that you shouldn't because you get blasted. You know, you become bored, mm. lonely, angry, sad, tired, eager, or distressed. Often people, that's where people end up coming off the rails in their diet or their detox is because they get blasted and they don't have a support system or a system to overcome some of those mental challenges. Well, everybody's mentioned or heard of emotional eating, right, or emotional consumption. And, you know, it's interesting when you know, we were talking off air about our new uh, stress and care health planner as far as the revisions. But one of the things we talk about in it, David, is, you know, interpersonal stress or work stress or time stress, all these other components, you know, tr- nutrition and lifestyle like activities and fitness is only those are only two parts of a way bigger picture, which is what you're talking about. Yeah, there's so much to, I mean, obviously, well-being is a, is a deep dive. I mean, there's a lot of different things that determine ability to help a person to achieve extraordinary health and well-being, and all the tools and resources can help complement a person's decision. But at the end of the day, Ken, it's their decision to choose to pursue it. And all of these resources and tips and habits Uh, These are all secondary to a person's individual decision. We call it the fundamental choice. You know, setting goals is one thing, you know, setting a goal to lose weight. That's a that's a choice. But making the fundamental shift to say, today, I'm going to start living a healthier lifestyle and learning to enjoy it. I found that the the phrase learning is so powerful because most Mm. people have failed so many different times. And if we use a better, better phrase, you know, if we, we posture failure as learning is that maybe, you know, all these different times you failed, you learned how to not do it. And now this time is to learn how to do it in a way that sticks for you. And that oftentimes comes back to making the decision to wanting to live a healthy lifestyle because of a reason or a purpose that's beyond the how to do it. Well, you were, I mean, one of the things we talked about off air was around you, your real care for your kids and say, hey, man, I, I was a football star and now I can hardly even throw the ball with them and I'm just winded and, and just the realization and said, well, you know, I, I want to be around for them. Uh, so, you know, for sure, that was one of the things that you had shared with me was on, on your list and all the listeners for you too, what David is talking about 
is that nobody can give you what your reasons are. You have to determine that yourself. Now, David, we only have about four or five minutes left. So what I'd like you to do is just share again how people can get a hold of you, and then we'll wrap up with your sort of highlighted wisdom pieces for the listeners. You bet. Well, in terms of uh, reaching out to us, I think that the contact information will be on the show notes, I'm assuming, and you can yes, make sure that you reach out. There's a free ebook that you can download that can give you a jump start on just collecting some information. And if you do have a desire to talk to one of our certified coaches to just do a complimentary health assessment and action plan, uh, that's our goal. We want to get more people back into the game of life, whether it's to play with your kids or to look or feel your best, to meet the significant other, to become a better entrepreneur or top executive in your in your organization. We want to help you to become the best version of you. And whether we can support you or whether you want to do it on your own, we're more than uh, willing to provide you with tools and resources to make that happen. And uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share some of these resources with people as a no cost obligation, you know, just no obligation, no cost. Here's the resources. And if it's something that you have a passion to pursue a partnership with a coach and you'd like to work one-on-one or you'd like to be part of one of our virtual support health challenges, we've got support challenges that we can invite people to participate in if they're not ready for a one-on-one relationship. So lots of opportunities to partner, but check out the show notes to get the log or the link to download the ebook and to get more information in terms of contact and all that information. And then your website again is ehealthcoaching.com. That's correct. So, So David, you know, when we think about people that are listening, I know that many have considered or thought about or are aware that their health could be better. I would say the majority of people who are listening to this show, because you know what? SOS listeners are pretty sharp. I'm just going with that. (laughs) So that being said, you know, beyond what you've shared already, uh, David, what are two or three sort of points of wisdom, encouragement for the listeners, for them to take responsibility of their health? Yeah, well, the first thing that I would challenge each one of the listeners to do today is on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best version of you and one being not the best version of you, what kind of a grade would you give yourself? And why would you give yourself that grade? And then to begin to think about what would a 10 look like to you? What would change in your life? What would you be able to be, do, or have if you were a nine and a half or a 10? And begin to look at where you are and where you want to go. And then begin to close the gap between the distance between where you are and where you want to go is to set in the daily, weekly, monthly habits and actions that need to take place to start moving you towards your desired outcome. Every one of us, no matter, I mean, SOS listeners, I know that you are already a a leader in the crowd or you would not be listening to this. But, you know, there's just two types of people out there in the world. The people like you that live their dreams and change the world. And then there's everybody else, your friends, your family members, your coworkers that depend on you to live your dreams and to change your world. And when you live your dreams and change your world, you not only help them to believe in their own dreams, but you also help them to change their world. And I believe that each and every one of us can help another person to get healthier if we'll just start that process ourselves and encourage other people to join us. And that's how we're going to change the 8.6 billion people on the planet to get healthier, Ken, is people that are deciding to live their best life and inviting other people to do the same. 
Mm. Well, I couldn't have said it better, David, and thank you for that, where if we lend some courage or encouragement to somebody else so that they can participate and move to that next level, because life sometimes isn't always that friendly to us. And I I really want to emphasize one of the things, David, you said is to move towards something versus away from something. Who do you want to become versus, oh, I need to lose 20 pounds versus really seeing yourself this 20 pounds lighter and all the research around goal setting and focus in future tense if confirms that. So, David, thank you for taking your most valuable commodity, your time and hanging out with us today. It's been a pleasure to be with you, Ken, and all the SOS listeners. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to David Bush, eHealthCoaching.com. Please go there. And you know what? I know that 70 or 80% of the listeners, regardless if you're above the crowd, which you are by listening to this show, is that we have some health opportunities to improve, to move towards to another level. You know, if we're not giving ourselves an 8, 9, or 10, then what is it that we can do? And maybe David's group can help you, so please reach out to him. And thank you for you as the listener sharing your most valuable commodity, and that's your time. If you like what we're doing, please share it. Let somebody else know. Leave a positive comment in whatever platform you are listening to. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.